Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Brian and I are so grateful for our audience. Did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds really insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn a PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or you could even donate your PodCoins to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a special code for you. Simply use our code DEEPTHOUGHTS, and you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on there, you can get a latte at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. So go ahead and go listen to this podcast, or virtually any podcast, on the PodCoin app and sign up with the code DEEPTHOUGHTS. I swear, it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Deep Thoughts of the Dixons. We're on episode 13. Can you believe it? Episode 13. We've uh, come a long way from the beginning. Got a long way to go too, but uh, it's been a ride so far. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, let's tell them about what's been going on with us. We've had a, an easy, actually, few last weeks. For you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. You've actually been really busy with work. Yeah. Um, but we didn't really do anything. We went out last weekend um, for a little bit, and it was one of those scenarios where then I wondered why I went out after I was out for a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on this regiment recently where I'm trying to force myself to get up earlier in the morning, and so I've been trying to go to sleep earlier in the evening because I like am definitely a person that needs my sleep. So lately, I've been trying to get up at like 5 a.m. religiously. Usually, it falls between 5 and 5:30. But I did pretty good this last week. I'm getting there. It takes a little bit more time. But I also had two calls with somebody in China and I had to get up one day at 4.30 to take the call and I was stood up. <laughs> yeah, I never showed up for the call. So he's like, hey, let's reschedule to the next day. So I uh, get up again at 4.30 the very next day to take the call. And once again, he messes the time up and doesn't get on the phone right. So uh, it's all good, though, because it helped me force myself to get up and go to the gym first thing so that I can get to the office a lot earlier and uh, get on with my day. So it's my new thing I'm trying out is trying to wake up super early so I can get a lot accomplished first thing in the morning and then my day runs smoother. For all the years that I've known you, you've never been a morning person. Not at all. Until this week. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not good at it. Like I am definitely someone who usually is more of a night owl. And uh, just for me to do it, it just takes some time. And I've got to like force myself to go to sleep earlier as opposed to staying up late and still trying to get up. Because I like am one of those people that definitely needs like a solid seven and a half, eight hours of sleep each night if I want to function at my best capacity the next day. I was trying to think about like what things we have coming up. We have a Meek Mill concert coming up. Yeah. Which I'm super pumped about. I love Meek Mill. Just, oh my gosh, I can't wait. That's going to be so much fun. And then uh, we're going to Dallas in a couple weeks with two of our friends. Mm -hmm. What else do we have? It's pretty much it for now. Yeah. I've been pretty busy from a work perspective, but all really good things. This week we just kicked off our Ameren Accelerator program that we run. So that is uh, Capital Innovators in partnership with Ameren and uh, the University of Missouri system. And what we do with that is we find new energy technology companies from all over the world. So, uh, you know, for this particular program, we helped them find like 445, I want to say, uh, energy tech startups from over 60 countries around the whole globe. 
and uh, ended up just selecting this top six businesses. Uh, worked really hard with Amron and the partners over the course of the last couple months. We selected the six best businesses. We were making investments into those companies. We brought them from uh, all over the world to St. Louis, and we are going to be running them through our three-month accelerator program, getting Amron really engaged, helping those companies scale and grow. And we've got some really interesting technologies that we're working with, everything from uh new innovations with Internet of Things devices that go on electric power grid switches to uh, advanced materials like graphene that is uh, the goal of helping extend lithium-ion batteries by like just a tremendous amount. Like One of the company's goals is to be able to charge your computer or your cell phone like once a week and allow that battery to charge for a full seven days. And they've created this advanced type of graphene that goes inside of uh, lithium-ion batteries where they're going to be testing out to try to make that happen. So it's really interesting. Excited to work with these entrepreneurs coming up. And we just had our uh, week zero, our orientation week right now. So we're about to kick that program off. Week zero. Do you know what that just reminded me of? Law school. Law school. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go into our lifestyle tip. If, for those of you who know me, know that I do not drink coffee. Maybe like once a year or once every six months. But my quote-unquote coffee is matcha and for those of you that don't know what matcha is it is a green tea um, mostly sourced from japan the japanese are huge on it they have it three or four times a day actually it's a part of their routine it's a part of their culture and i got hooked onto matcha back in law school this was about 2011 there was a smoothie bar there that would make matcha latte um smoothies and they would put like shots of matcha in there to, you know, give you energy or help you learn and have memory focus. And around like finals time, I would go to this place all the time and I would pound like three or four of them throughout the day and then stay in the library all night. So that's when I got hooked on to matcha lattes. And I think that's when you started too. Matcha for me is like super clean energy. Like sometimes if you drink coffee and you have like a couple cups of it throughout the day, you may feel a little anxious or tweaking a little bit off of it because it's kind of that type of caffeine. But matcha is just super clean. I feel like when I drink that, it gives me that clear mental state. I don't ever have that like anxiety feeling from drinking too much coffee. And sometimes when you drink coffee, I feel like you get a little hyped up for like an hour and then you crash a little bit afterwards. Matcha never does that to me. It's like a much cleaner type of energy I really like. Do you know what I've always like not liked about coffee though? Like sometimes I crave the taste or I do like the smell of coffee too. It stains your teeth. That's disgusting. Like nobody wants that. Yeah. So, so that's why I stay. And matcha doesn't do that to you. But I'm going to go into 11 benefits of matcha because I'm trying to sell people on this so badly. Like that's how obsessed I am with matcha. Uh, it has more energy than a cup of coffee, and it's a super clean energy, a focused energy, It's and there's no crash afterwards. One cup of matcha has more antioxidants than 10 cups of green tea. The third benefit is matcha tea contains 13 times more oxidants than pomegranates, 15 times more antioxidants than of blueberries, and 125 times that of spinach. So it's packed, I mean packed with antioxidants. It also has a very potent cancer-fighting property called, and you have to help me pronounce this, catechin, catechin, C-A-T-E-C-H-I-N, whatever. It's something in there, and it helps fight off cancer. The fourth thing is matcha green tea powder, if you guys have ever seen it, is naturally green, and it's a chlorophyll. 
Chlorophyll is what helps us detox our bodies of chemicals and heavy metals. If you eat meat on the regular, if you eat sweets and sugars, if you eat cookies and pastries, if you eat processed foods, if you eat candy, all of that stuff uh, builds up chemicals and heavy metals in your body. And chlorophyll, which is in matcha, helps detoxify that. Matcha also helps torch fat and burn calories. It's very rich in L-theanine, which is an amino acid that helps with brain function. And that's why there's like a lot of help with memory, learning, focused energy when people drink it. And this is why the guy had recommended it to me in law school when I was there. It, it completely helped. Um, it's very healthy for your teeth and gums as opposed to coffee. It helps build up your immune system. It has 10 times the vitamins and minerals that coffee does. And it's very anti-inflammatory, so it helps people who have like arthritis or anything of that nature. You're smiling over there. Please tell me. Like, sounds like you're doing like a sponsorship for matcha, oh. but you're not. You're not doing a sponsorship for matcha. Sponsored by the Japanese forest. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to be spot. I'm just trying to show people like there's other alternatives than coffee because when I see people drinking coffee from Starbucks or those like Gila K cups or those pods, I don't think people understand how unhealthy that is for them. Like Starbucks coffee is ground over and over and over again, then roasted, then burned, trying to get the same flavor again and again, completely beating the beans to death. And you know why they do this? It's because they source all their beans from all over the world. So the taste and the flavor is always different. So Starbucks is always trying to play catch up basically. And when you get those K-cups and those coffee machines in your house, the plastic in those pods that you put in, when the heat hits it and melts, there's just so many bad things that come out of that and go into your coffee that you're ingesting every day. You're right. So, so it's not the healthiest, obviously. Yeah. But Starbucks has done a great job on selling consumers on the experience because now they've convinced people that they need to pay 4 to $7 for a cup Stupid of coffee cup when you can buy a whole pot for that. It. I know. It's ridiculous. So anyways, I really do highly recommend this for people. Um, I am thinking about posting a little recipe on Instagram TV on my Instagram um, I don't know. You guys can let me know if you guys are interested to see how I make it. I make it into a latte, so I don't really drink it in tea form as the Japanese do. And I'm also very, very picky and particular as to what kind of matcha I buy because I have bought matcha in bulk from Costco and it gave me a really bad allergic reaction. And then I also tried to buy a matcha from Amazon and that too gave me a very terrible allergic reaction. Matcha is definitely one of those things where I would recommend when you're going to buy it, invest in one that is a definitely higher quality. Like don't buy a very cheap version of matcha because what we've learned is that they'll put like garbage in there. Like they'll process it and put stuff in there that you can, if you drink this on a regular basis, you'll definitely be able to tell the difference because you can like notice there's not the same quality of effects, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, so whenever you get this, don't buy this just anywhere i would definitely like do your research online um, whole foods usually has pretty good quality stuff there and there's different types of online outlets where you can get good ones as well but don't uh not spend or not invest in at least a better version of it or i don't think you'll have the greatest effects from it don't be cheap is what he's trying to say that's right <laughs> so what's the second thing you don't buy it mixed with anything yeah that's a good point i forgot about that um, there is a lot of matcha on the market, even at Whole Foods, that's like mixed with like turmeric or stevia or coconut sugar or some sort of mixtures. I would suggest staying clear from that and only get pure fine stone ground matcha. That's it. And don't get the tea bags either. Get the loose powder that you can scoop out with like a teaspoon. Um, 
stay away from tea bags. That's that's a whole different episode. But just get the loose, fine stone ground powder that's not mixed with anything. Just pure on its own. Cool. Well, I've had way too much of this topic, so I'm going to move on to the next one. Sorry, it's not. I was trying to. I, maybe I'm getting paid, and you don't know. No, you're definitely not. I would know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump in now with what we're going to be discussing today. So Nina is going to be walking through some of her learnings and experiences over the years and talking to us about things that she's learned through trial and error. So this has been interesting because as I was thinking about this today earlier, I have been working on these things for the last maybe eight to 10 years, but I have to say that I think you have been the biggest witness to the growth or to the lessons that I've had to learn in the last three years, for sure. Um, I think these three have really driven home for me that I constantly try to keep in mind and remind myself. And the three things that like stick out to me right now immediately off the top of my head that I try to remember, these are lessons that I have repeatedly have to, had to learn. Like experiences just like pounded me one after another. And I was forced to just be like, okay, like I have to, I have to learn this lesson. Uh, the first one is perfection does not exist. It's not real. The second lesson is I have to learn to be more like water every day. I'll explain. And the third is take action. Take massive, massive action to gain clarity in life. So I'll start with perfection. Perfection is not real, and I can apply this to every area of my life. Um, you know, you, you have these fitness goals when it comes to personal uh, fitness goals and body and diet and all that you can look at yourself in the mirror and you start with yourself in the morning in the day and it's so crazy how you could be in your mind so much like I gotta lose weight or I gotta do this I gotta do that and although I've always been in extremely great shape I've always been one to put fitness first like I will not miss anything I like I will not miss anything I will miss sorry I will miss anything if it means like I just have to get my workout in. Sometimes to your detriment. Yeah, like I just, exactly. And, and you know that, right? You've seen me do that. So I will work out even when I shouldn't be working out. Like it's, it's almost like a, men, it's more mental for me. And over the year, years, I could say that I've definitely abused it. And it was just unnecessary. And it's not because I needed to be working out. I mean, I was, I hit 111 pounds at one point. And for my, st- my like body type, I have to be 120 is like normal or like maybe 118. And I've always ranged between like 115 is my good one. So I dropped pretty low and it was just not that I wasn't eating. It was just my workouts constantly yeah. like running six miles a day, seven miles a day, eight miles a day. I've even gotten injured several times. I think it's one of those things with working out where you get in such a programming about it in terms of your mindset that like when you take a day off here and there, for some reason you like almost feel guilty for it right and and it's not because you should because obviously you know you should be taking one to two rest days every single week which you know I always try to do that myself but when even like I if I go through and I take like more than that on like a rest day because I'm so used to working out on like my five or six day a week schedule to me it's more of a mental thing and it's like damn why did I do that? You know, I shouldn't have done it. I got off my schedule. I think it's just something that as human beings we do. If you're like being hypercritical on yourself and you're trying to maximize your human potential and you get yourself on a regiment that it's like you feel bad about it almost when you like don't do what you set your goal to do. Mm-hmm. So it took me a long time to step back and realize that I'm trying to attain this quote unquote perfection within myself. I have to step back and say, listen, it's nothing about my image anymore. It's not about my body or my diet anymore. It's about my mental state. 
you know? And so once I was able to step back outside of myself and recognize that this is not healthy for me and I'm never going to attain that quote unquote perfect, you know, I have to be able to stop myself and be honest with myself and say, okay, enough is enough. I eat healthy. I do all the right things. I barely drink. I work out almost every day. I'm toning it down to six days now, which is huge for me. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, you should only be working out three to five days. I completely agree with you. But you see, that was a lesson that I've had to learn over the years myself. And that's to, there's no perfection here. There's no end to this. I have to, I have, I'm in control and I have to end it myself. You know, like if I do this, I'll keep going on forever like this and I'll end up hurting myself. Mm-hmm. Or the opposite, you know, in science, you always tell me, like, you end up actually burning muscle as opposed to Yeah, so fat. when you start over-exercising, and there's an abundance of science behind this, it's that you actually start damaging temporarily, because you, you can repair from this, but you start damaging, like, your... Uh, uh, what is it? You can damage your cardiovascular system. You can damage like some of your your nerve based systems. But when you over exercise, your body actually goes into this reverse effect. So instead of actually going and gaining lean muscle and burning fat, your body actually switches itself into burning muscle and storing fat because your hormones get all out of whack. When you're over-exercising, your hormones get out of balance. And, and at certain times, depending on how that imbalance occurs, you can actually start burning through muscle and storing fat, which is the opposite of what your goal is with exercise, right? And so being able to give your body a rest multiple days a week is absolutely necessary because when you're working out, you are tearing down your muscles. You don't grow muscle while you're working out or you don't enhance your cardiovascular system necessarily necessarily during the workout. It is when you're resting and giving your body the opportunity for those cells to rebuild and that protein synthesis to occur is when you actually see the enhancements. So it's not when you're doing it. So you got to have a very good balance between the exercise you put in and the amount of rest you provide for your body. And rest means flat out don't work out that day. Don't run. Don't do like I on my rest days I usually do yoga because it like helps me stretch the muscles out. I've even noticed lately that like the more I've done that and the more I've been diligent about it, that I'm actually my posture is increasing, my muscles are becoming more stretched out and longer and the frame that I've developed is something that I'm like much happier about. I'm not so like tight all the time and hunched over. Yeah, exactly. So Again, it's something that you have to work on yourself and that there is no end. If you're going to keep chasing perfection, and it starts with you. So that's why I started with like myself, my image, my body, my weight and all that. And I mean, everybody goes through these things in their 20s, right? So it started with me and I was like, you know what? I, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything I have to. Now I'm crossing a line. So it starts there. Like perfection does not exist. Healthy exists. Balance exists. Happiness with yourself and acceptance of yourself exists, you know, and then let's go into perfection um, in relationships. So this is like a dichotomy. There's like two sides to this. And I'll use you as an example, but just just because it's easier to like tell people you've got, you know, you've got the old me like in in my young 20s. I'm sure you were the same way, too, when like you wanted perfection in somebody. Okay, and by that I mean, like, we're young and naive. We don't really know what we want. We don't know the depths of life. We don't really know morals and values, and we don't know them in ourselves, and we don't know them in other people either, nor do we seek those things, okay? And 
you start off dating people and looking at people and wanting like the perfect boyfriend okay he's tall he's dark he's handsome he's like got huge muscles he's like 6'3 and you know he's Italian like all these things about a person call me shallow yeah that's fine you, you're giggling over there like it's true but that was like a perfect but was it my perfect no I didn't even I wasn't asking myself this is the kind of person I want. I didn't have enough life experience to show me what I don't want. It seems like you're more focused on the external aesthetics as you are, of like the character and quality of the exactly. person. Exactly. And so, but you, what I'm trying to say is we couldn't be. You're so young at that time. You don't really understand the depth of yourself or your soul or of a person or a human connection. So you go off like, you know, remember in school, it's like, oh, she's dating the football player, you know, or he's dating a cheerleader. Like that was a thing. It was, I would... I would never do that. But listen to yes, you would. <laughs> Beat it, nerd. But but that but that were you a nerd in school? I've I've always been a little bit of a nerd. I think. I mean, I wasn't necessarily like a nerd in school, but like, and I feel like when I was at home doing my own stuff, I definitely would nerd out like in terms of things that I would read and research and that type of stuff. But you know, that's you just were me. a nerd. Don't lie. That's just, that's just me. <laughs> hey, it's all good. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, so you always have these things of like it's that outward perception of perfection you know and then in your late 20s or 30s it happens at different ages for everybody you've gone through enough bullshit where you start to be like hmm what do I really want what are things that I can live with what are things that I can't live without in a person you know and so then you start to learn that about somebody and your expectations change your definition of perfection comes from you now not society, not the outside world, not your peers, not what's popular, not what's cool. It comes from you. You know what I would love to see, and I think this is probably something that will happen throughout our lifetimes, mm. is by teaching children yeah. at a young age better techniques into how to understand themselves better yeah. as opposed to a lot of the you know, instruction that we provide to children in the past and, and currently – you know, predominantly right now as well, that they will learn this much sooner in life. I agree. I totally agree. Like that self-awareness. Exactly. A little earlier on in life than later. Um, so anyways, this perception or your definition of perfection now changes um, as you get older and it comes from you and within and being honest with yourself. So that's the type of person you go off to choose. Now, once you find that person, you're in that relationship, you, you again start to play roles, right? And now it's like, I want the perfect husband, perfect boyfriend. I want the perfect fiance. I want the perfect engagement. I want the perfect wedding. I want the perfect husband. I want the perfect mansion. All these things start to happen again, okay? And so I think at some point, you have to, again, learn a lesson and take a step back and be like, you don't get it all at once. I believe you get it all, but you don't get it all all at once. You had the perfect engagement. Does that make... I did. I did. <laughs> perfect. I did. No, actually, well, we got to tell a funny story. So Nina, for the longest time, like, had this dream of getting engaged in Italy. No, and you knew this, so admit that. Oh, I'm not denying it. I knew okay. it. So where did I take her? Egypt. Oh, my God. Because it was selflessly me wanting to go to the place that I really wanted to go to. Did you say selflessly it, or selfish? Selfishly. I think oh. I said selfishly. Excuse me. <laughs> selfishly. Uh, but... It was pretty remarkable nonetheless. It was pretty cool. Very meaningful for me. I hope it was meaningful for you. But don't worry. I got that Italy trip lined up for you. It's coming. It's uh, coming to a theater near you soon. Looking back on it, it happened just the way it was supposed to happen. That's right. You know, that's how I see it now. But um, all these things change and you start to have all these, you know, perfect 
expectations or this image again of like this dream fairy tale wedding and you know a husband and it's going to be like flowers and bliss all the time it is but when you don't when you realize that life goes in like sequences Last week we talked about how like everything's a goddamn process, dude. Like everything is a process. Nothing happens with the snap of a finger. You like I just said, you don't. You can have it all, and you do get it all, but not all at once. It comes in steps. It comes in waves, and things happen. Shit happens in between. You have all these expectations, and then at that point, some point, reality kicks in, and you're like, oh my gosh, like he's my perfect, and like you know he has bad days, I have bad days, he has good days, I have good days. On days that he's 90%, I got to be 110%. On days that I'm 90%, he kicks it up and he's 110% for us. That's what it becomes. It becomes a balance of energies and that becomes your perfect, you know, and you work together on things. And then there's another part to this where you start, so basically you start to loosen the grip on perfection and you realize nothing and nobody's perfect. We're all in doing this and feeling this and, and, you know, going through these stages in life for the first time, all of us together. We don't know how to do any of this. And then there's also another part where it's you as a person in a relationship. Like, am I perfect? This is where I had a problem. I didn't really have high expectations of people outside of me, but I did have an issue in relationships where if I got upset, if I got mad, if I goofed up or effed up on something, if I picked a fight, or I screamed and yelled, or, you know, I did something to, like, kind of rock the boat, I used to get such terrible anxiety for, like, the next five days about it. Mm -hmm. Because I felt that I wasn't perfect anymore. Like, I felt, not only in my eyes, I was like, now in this person's eyes, I'm not perfect. I'm not lovable. You know, I did X, Y, Z, or I said X, Y, Z. And that has taken me pretty much of my entire 20s to grow out of that stage and to get over that hump and relax that perfectionism in myself as well. Where if I do tend to do something stupid, I apologize and I move on from it, but I never, never harp on it anymore. It used to eat me up inside, like for days on end. It's like that thing we try to live by that if I'm not going to be upset about this in 24 hours or 48 hours why are you upset about it for even five minutes like it's like this nasty guilt feeling that you get sometimes and i don't know someone listening may or may not um you know relate to this i have no idea maybe some female would relate to this maybe men do i don't know but like does that happen to guys not for me (laughs) i don't really get upset much for anything like where i would get upset about something and then feel very guilty guilty about it yeah not with me. I'm talking about like in your past. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it's happened at some point. It wasn't something that dragged out for five days, but maybe for me, it was, I think, more things where I would maybe get in an argument and then I would be upset about it for like an hour or two afterwards and then it would kind of dissolve. But now I just, you know, I don't really fluctuate in terms of my, yeah, yeah, in terms of my negative emotions. I'm happy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm fine now, but before I used to be very like, if I did something wrong, I used to like, hold it in and feel so guilty for like the longest time even if everything was okay like the person could say oh everything's fine you know chill relax i was still like freaking out inside it's almost like you were like kind of resenting yourself myself that. exactly there's that, there's that quote young jedi that was said it says those who hold the fireous embers of resentment only end up burning themselves mm-hmm. drop the mic yeah beat buddha up in your face good job you are a little buddha <laughs> um 
Then there's like perfection in your home life and in your career. That's another place that I've had a lot of learnings in the last few years. And you've been a witness to most of those in the last three years. You know, you think that uh, the house has to be perfect. The laundry has to be perfect. You know, my career has to be perfect. I have to be on the top of my game all the time, 24-7. I have to have an Andes mint on my pillow before I go to sleep. You know, you just, you think these things and like, this is how you grow up and you think that this is what the norm is. Like I have to attain perfection. And if it's not perfect, my mood goes down, you know? And that's what I'm trying to, to portray here in this, in this lesson and sharing this, that nothing and nobody is ever perfect. Your career will not always be at its top. Your home life will not always be perfect, but it's going to be great. You know, I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm not, for once, saying settle for anything less than great for yourself. I'm just saying that whatever perfection ideas you have that maybe society put in you or Instagram tells you, get them out of your head. And I also think in this concept of perfection, you've applied this to a lot of different like situations and feelings, but I think it also has to do with timing. There's never the perfect time to do things, right? I think a lot of people think like, I've got to wait and save up X amount of dollars before I do this. And I've got to do this before I buy a house or I got to do this before I have a kid or, th- or I got to, I've got to get this product that I'm developing to this, this great point before I can push it out in the market. There is never a perfect time to do a lot of things. You just have to take a leap and do it. Yeah. Um, and we deal with this with entrepreneurs all the time. Like we're working with them. And a lot of times the engineers that we're working with have this mindset of they have to get a product's to a certain point before they feel comfortable pushing it out in the market. And what we're always working on them with is get it to like a point where you can put it in a customer's hands, but you literally feel like embarrassed to do so. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the right time because when you have it to a point when it's functioning, but you feel embarrassed, that's early enough that you can put it in somebody's hands and start to get their feedback. Because if you wait too long, your timing could pass. You could have a competitor come through and swoop you right out and put a product in the market that's maybe not even as good as yours, but they just did something. They took that action. And so that's what I mean by timing. Like there's never a perfect time to do a lot of things. If you have something that you want to do, just commit and do it. Well, to your point, um, that's actually a very good point. When it comes to doing something, and trying to make it perfect, right? Whether you're writing a book. We have several examples like this in the last, since 2017, you and I have been doing things together in business. When we wrote that book, that was not your first rodeo. That was like your third or fourth book. Am I correct? Correct. For me, it was my first. I sat on that thing for five months because I was so scared to push it out. And eventually you were just like, Nina, you have to. And you have to be able to take the constructive criticism and you have to be able to learn from it. Like you just have to do that. And that's what we did. So that was my first one. Doing this podcast was a huge thing for both you and I. Yes, you're a speaker and you've done international speaking gigs. I have not. This was a new thing for me. And for me to put myself out there and talk about personal things and talk about life in general, I think that aspect, you that's new for you too. But everything took a kind of like a little, you know, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's done. It's ready. I didn't publish it yet. I didn't edit it yet. It's not perfect yet. You know, I'm mumbling. I'm stuttering. I'm saying um too much. All these things had ha- have happened in the last several months for us that people don't know about. But every time it was just like, we have to do it. We have to do it. You know, and like you, I look back and I think the things that I now know and like the deep soul searching that I have done in the last few years, I could have started a podcast five years ago. But mm-hmm. you know what? I was so stuck in that mindset of, but it's not perfect. I don't have the perfect microphone. 
I don't have the perfect, you know, whatever, or studio. And now look at us. Like seven weeks later, there is a studio. Yeah, things just start to happen. Things just whenever. start to happen. And, there and for no anybody plan. that's out there wants to start a podcast, you don't need anything if, once you're first starting out. No, if you, you really don't. have, you know, minimal resources, there's an app called Anchor that you can use, mm-hmm. and it literally you can record from your phone, and then you can push it to every major podcasting platform. Like there is, if, if this is something that somebody's interested in and they want to do, there is really no excuse not to do it because you can do it from your phone and push it out there and get started like literally with no dollars right yeah. i think it's for free just that's to get started free, yeah. yeah it's and pretty that's, remarkable that's what i did in my on the other podcast that was on um but you're right there isn't there's no excuse for that and there's never a perfect time that's absolutely right there's another scenario you know a lot of people a lot you know how you just said you go oh there's no perfect time to do anything i'll, I'll share a personal story before i moved to st louis i was maybe 27 years old when I moved here, uh-huh. something like that. And I was moving from the suburbs of Philadelphia over here. I know I wasn't moving yet. Sorry. I was sorry, guys. I'm like super distracted because Brian's over here taking selfies on his phone. <laughs> Let it rip. Um, so I, when Brian and I decided that I wanted, we were going to, I was going to move here. We were going to be together. We we're going to do this whole thing. Um, in my head, in my mind, I would sit at work and think, okay, you know, I'm going to get a job in four weeks. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to sell, get rid of my apartment. I'm going to sell my stuff first. I had all these things lined up in my perfect, quote unquote, perfect little life, okay, that I was going to be doing. And then I would get in my car, pack my shit, and move to St. Louis. It never happened that way. Ever. It was a cluster F of a story, actually. Um, things just never pan out the way that you think they should or that you plan for them to pan out. But has it happened? Nevertheless, yes, it did happen. Did I end up coming? Yes, I did. Did I end up moving? Yes, I did. But did it happen in the way that I expected or I wanted or I planned? Absolutely not. And I think if that was me a little bit younger, if that was somebody else in my shoes, that person would have never taken a leap. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was just wasn't the perfect time yet. And now I look back and I think there never would have been a perfect time if I waited. You yeah. know, there never would have been there never would have been a moment where I'd be comfortable. That whole scenario was built to teach me to just jump. Yeah, for sure. The second lesson that I am trying so hard to get better at and that's we have to be we have to learn to be more like water. And I know you know about this quote. Where does this quote come from? This is from the king. You know who it is? No. Bruce Lee. Oh, that's right. So what he says is he goes, you need to learn to be more like water. When water is in a cup, it becomes the cup. When water is in a mug, it becomes the mug. Water can be in all these different states, right? And uh, so the goal is what he's trying to say is as you're moving through the world in this matrix that we live in, be more like water, be adaptable to your surroundings, be adaptable to your environment, and you will be able to move through scenarios much easier. Yeah, I think that's very important. And there are several life experiences that have happened in the past few years that have taught both Brian and I that we have to be adaptable. And that doesn't mean from your goals or your visions or your dreams and settle for less. No, not at all. It just means that when obstacles come your way or when adversity hits, 
you have to be able to look at it objectively, pivot and approach your path in a different manner. You know, it's, it's never going to be, you're never going to get to your destination in the manner, uh, in the manner that you want to, or that you plan to, or in the time that you plan to. 90% of the time is not going to work like that. There's always going to be things that happen. There's going to be delays. There's going to be things that come up that are probably blessings for you, actually, that maybe help you see something differently. But we all have to be very adjustable day to day. I used to be very um, uptight in like the most minuscule manner, like in the most minuscule way. An example is when I first moved here, um, I would be like, I would always make sure that I had dinner ready by like 5, 5.30. And sometimes there was one time actually Brian showed up like an hour early and dinner was not ready and he actually wanted to go out to dinner. This is a while ago. Actually, I threw a huge fit. No, you didn't. You came in and it was like a surprise. And me, instead of getting surprised, I kind of got like internally peeved and I was just like, well, I'm making dinner. Like, what am I doing all this for? And no, like there's no need to go out, you know? And it's just like looking back on it, it's just so goofy. Like I was just wound so tight, you know, like there was like no spontaneity in me back then. (laughs) And it's just like, who cares? And like now today I'm like, yes, let's go. Like the minute he comes in with a surprise, I'm like all about it. And I think, okay, screw the dinner. That's he can have that tomorrow. Let's go out. And I think a lot of us need to do that because some of us, in our everyday life, I feel getting that routine, you know, that that like vigorous routine, especially people with families. Like you and I saw that, you know, like people with families that are like everyone's on a schedule. Everyone's doing the same thing every day. Like there's no room for fun. There's no room for spontaneity or surprise. That kind of puts you in this like I've got control over my life and nothing will happen, you know. And so when things do go wrong or adversity does hit you, which it always does, or when obstacles do happen, you don't know how to handle them because you aren't at ease. You're not just trying to flow with life. You're trying to control life. And I think we all need to just like loosen that grip a little bit. Release the control. Release the control. Um, The third lesson that I've learned, and this is probably my favorite one, and I have recently executed on this one. I have a recent example of this. And that is take action. Take massive, massive action when you can. It's the only way through. It's the only way that you get clarity. There's several examples. First, in a career path. A lot of people like to be stuck in like a stupid dead-end job. And they want to plan. And they want to start looking for a different job. And then they want that smooth transition over. You know, But what, what happens is, they either don't find something they like or they don't end up getting a different job so they're still stuck at their dead end job. Next step, you grow some balls and you quit, okay? Now you're home trying to figure your stuff out, okay? And this is where I say, this is not, again, this is not from me and I think I've repeated this several times. Maria Forleo has an awesome podcast on this and she's the one who says, when you're trying to figure out what you're good at or what you want your next gig to be in your career, You have to make a list of five to eight things that you're good at or that you like to do or you want to do and start going out there. Network with people, apply to places, volunteer at those places, mentor someone, follow somebody around, do an apprenticeship, research the um, area or the industry. Do whatever you can to get your feet wet at least two to three months in each of those five to eight categories. She's like, you will start knocking things off your list like that. Like, you will know this isn't for me. This is totally different than I expected. It's just that common theme that you figure out 
what you do like by learning from experiences of what you don't like. Exactly. Sitting home, mulling over it, complaining about it is not going to get you anywhere. And whenever you're in this position and you really start to like do not take action and you're like waiting around that's when like anxiety Mm -hmm. and fear starts coming over you because you don't know what's going to happen yeah but just the confidence you get from moving forward with something even if it turns out not to be the right thing a it's a learning and then b you don't sit around and have that anxiety because you think something's going to come to you nothing's going to come to you unless you go after it so it's super important that you take that action yeah and when it comes to something like, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you're coming out with a new business line or a product or, you know, I don't know, you're working on something, you're trying to do something and you're kind of hesitant because you don't know how to. There's like that fear of the unknown. Well, you have to take action. You have to just get up and start and do it because even if you fuck up, sorry, excuse me, even if you mess up, it's okay because then you're going to learn what didn't work and you can pivot your approach and attack it again. This goes for business, this goes for marketing, this goes for sales calls, this goes for home improvement stuff, this goes for anything that you're trying to do in your career. It goes for anything and everything. If you just start somewhere, you'll figure it out. I think that's the that's like the biggest lesson that I have learned in the past. Um, with this podcast, almost a year ago, dude, it'll be in November. Well, last July is when I thought of the idea. So we're at a year right now from the inception of the idea of having a podcast. Mm. But if I didn't start, when I when I wanted to start the podcast, I wanted a new microphone, I wanted a new computer, I wanted a soundproof room, I wanted editing equipment. It was just so much all at once and I didn't even know how to use anything. I knew I didn't know how to use anything that I kind of started Googling for ways to do it. I started to take the first step. Then I found out about Anchor. I said, okay, you know what, I'm doing it. Went on Anchor, started the podcast. And the next thing you know, I start inching my way towards videos, towards Instagram, towards editing myself, you know, towards learning about microphones. Then we got new equipment. Then we went from getting new equipment to getting video cameras. Then we get into a studio. It's like a process that you learn. And if I could tell you guys how long that took, nine months. I think it's a big problem with a lot of people with a lot of areas of their life when they want to do something and they are coming up with excuses not to do it because they don't want to take the action right there. Yeah. Like, for example, say somebody that really wants to go play golf and learn how to play golf, and they're sitting there and they're like, well, I can't do it until I get a new set of, until I have a set of golf clubs, a new set of clubs, and until I've got the right golf shoes, this and that. Like, those are all excuses. Go to a golf course and, and rent a beat-up set of clubs and do a beta test on yourself to see if you even like it. Spend a couple weeks doing it. Like, you don't need to go invest a bunch of money. That's one of the great things, too, about that, that I tell entrepreneurs that we work with is sometimes people think they got to have this nice site or they got to have this big investment in things they want to do or they got to have other people on their team to do stuff. Like technology has reached a point where you can build a minimum viable product or like the most basic beta tests for a business on a dime. Like you don't have to spend barely anything, especially if you're creating a software product. If it's a hardware product, it's a little bit different. But for software-based stuff, like you can use some tools online where you can probably spend under a hundred bucks and get something to a point where you could probably get somebody to pay you for it and test it out. Agreed. We talked about fitness earlier, but this also applies here. If you're trying to get into better shape or you're trying to be healthier, you're trying to change something about your outward appearance in a healthy manner, it's not going to happen sitting home and complaining. It's not going to happen going through a drive through at McDonald's or Starbucks for lunch every day. You have to get on the internet, 
we all have it. Get on your phone, research trainers, research gym memberships, research people, research workouts. There's a ton of workouts out there if you don't know what you're doing at the gym. And take action. You have to start somewhere. Yes, your first day at the gym will be very overwhelming. You might not know how to pick up the weights or how to use each machine or whatever. We've all been through it. We've all had to go through that process. But you absolutely have to start somewhere. Think about... This is, a, this is another example that I think many people will relate to. You might have an issue with somebody, you know, in your personal life or at work. Or you might feel that someone's kind of being, you know, distant with you and something's wrong. It's just r- weird energy. Something's wrong. Well, don't sit home and, like, get anxiety about it. Pick up the phone or go over and see the person and hash it out. I think so much, so many of us just spend so much time just sitting there with whatever it is that we're thinking about or wanting to do or change that we give ourselves anxiety. Mm-hmm. by not taking positive action in the direction of where we want to go. Sure. Um, launching a new business idea. This is the whole launch now, launch first, perfect later. This is like a, you can probably talk to this more than I can. I can only say it from the, like the perspective of like the book that we wrote and we had to sell. But I learned that you can save a lot of time and money when it comes to creating products by doing it to the best of your ability and then pushing it out there and then waiting and asking for customer feedback and then repurposing it, remodeling your product and then launching it out again. Mm-hmm. That's what I touched on earlier about the first version of a product that you should be putting in your customer's hands should almost be embarrassing to you. It should be functioning yeah. and you should kind of feel embarrassed when you give it to them because you know it can be so much better, but you don't want to waste a bunch of time and energy building something one way because you think people will want it to learn that they don't want the thing that you built or they want the thing that you built, but they want it to function in a completely different way than how you built the product that you're providing to them or how you're generating the service. I mean, you learn the most talking with the people that will be the paying customers for your good or service, right? And so the faster you can provide it to them and the faster you can take that action in the minimal amount of time, energy, and financial resources that you can commit to it, the better before you can start getting some test results. Isn't there a saying? um, Actually, it's a saying, but I think it's incorrect. It's build it and they will come. That's from an old movie. And isn't that Field wrong? of Dreams. But isn't that wrong? It's 100% wrong. Nobody ever finds anything until you make them aware of it. And people too often from entrepreneurs, they're like, well, what if I put this product together and I give it to somebody and then they don't like it? Okay, big deal. You know, you gave it to a couple people, they don't like it. It takes a long time before a large amount of people understand you even have a product better yet Mm -hmm. get to a purchasing decision so early stage businesses get really nervous about like putting stuff in people's hands sometimes too because they think they make it this bad perception if they put a bad product out trust me like until you reach a massive level of scale those aren't risks you really have to worry about And even when you reach a massive level of scale, these companies are still putting out products or just testing them on a smaller sample set of customers, getting their feedback before they launch it to a broader economy of their business. And so you just have to put stuff out there. You can't be fearful of doing it. You have to get the feedback. You've got to take the action to do it because sitting around or investing too much time and energy to try to perfect something, it's just going to end up being a waste. Not even profitable. Yeah. Uh, My last example with this is for a lot of people, actually. Um, you and I have both dealt with people like this when people are looking for their dream partner or their life partner, you know, but they don't put themselves out there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're just too busy complaining all the time, nonstop. They're not, they're going to the same places, the same bars, the same restaurants, the same lifestyle. Like, and they're going after the same type of person, you know? It's like you have to change it. You have to take action, affirmative action. Go to places that really do interest you. Go take classes or courses somewhere. Go to a different gym. I don't know. It's also highly unlikely that if you're going out all the time, you're probably looking in the wrong places for somebody that you really, truly want to be with in terms of like, you know, I think there's a much smaller percentage of people that have met their their uh, long-term significant other, married partner, whatever it happens to be at a bar than there is that people that just meet them in a random other place, right? I feel like when you're, you end up meeting somebody that you authentically really want, it usually happens in a circumstance that you would have never predicted, yeah. but from putting yourself out there. Yeah. And I can't recommend that enough that, especially in this day and age when there's so many dating apps, like we've become programmed to swipe to see if we want to connect with somebody. And when you're swiping, you're not, you don't know anything about that person except how that person looks. Yeah. What is their visual appearance? You know, nothing else about them. And so now we've basically created applications that allow us to swipe back and forth if we want to connect with somebody or not. And then we use that as a tool to go meet with the person, right? But it actually has created this false reality in, a, in my eyes. So you really have to get from behind technology, like get out from behind it and put yourself out in public. Go to a gym, go to a new gym, go to you know a networking event, this and that, where it's not just the same thing over and over again. That's how you find people that authentically resonate with you, in my opinion. Agreed. So this week, you guys, we don't have any books. I mean, since I kind of came up with our content this week. But I do have a, did I say, I said books, right? Mm -hmm. I do have a quote, though. And that quote is, life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. When I was looking for a quote for today, I was trying to figure it out and think of like, you know, what I want to say, what I should be talking about. And I felt that, All these lessons teach me one thing, and that's I hold the key to my life. Whether I'm perceiving something to be right or wrong, it's all in my perception, and I have to always be refining that. I have to be very self-aware. If there's experiences in my life that are continually happening again and again and again, I have to look at them. I have to be objective and say, what what is the universe trying to teach me here? Like, What am I supposed to be doing here that I'm not doing here right now? You know, we create our own struggles. We create our own victories. It's always in our hands how we choose to live this life. And I think that we all need to mindfully walk this journey. We all have to enjoy it. And we shouldn't really worry about what's good or bad, you know, from like an outside perspective. We should have no barriers and no limitations on other people or ourselves either. I think life is a, as I get older, I kind of see life as like a creative thing. It's a creation. It's it's a living, breathing organism. Like I've got like my home life. I've got my family. I've got career. I've got business. And they're all at different levels. You know, some are far along. Some areas of my life are doing great right now. Some not so much. It's all just like working together and somehow meshing together, you know. But my job is to always be in the moment, to be present, to be aware, and to be in the moment enough and mindful enough to catch repeated scenarios in my life, you know, where I can like pivot and change. Like today's episode is more very close and personal to me because these are the three tests and three lessons that I have absolutely had to learn the hard way again and again and again. Learning that perfection is not real had to happen to me several different ways. 
Um, learning to be like water forced me in experiences and situations and adversities that forced me to just let go and like, you know, learn to adapt and be okay. And the third one, uh, taking action, that I credit you a lot to that one actually is that when I was doing my career change, like starting all these things that we were doing together, that pushed me out of my comfort zone, you know? And so I had to do a book. I did a podcast. I did XYZ. I did sales for Manifest. I did all these things that I was never into before or never had done. And all the fear in the world was down upon me at those times. But each time I just did it, I took a step. I may have fallen, but it's like I got my, it was building my character up. It was building up my confidence. And I think that's what life is about. Life builds us. We create life through our choices and it continues to build us. We're like morphed into who we're supposed to be um, if we pay attention long enough. Sure. I actually have a couple books. I read a book and a half in the last week that actually apply a lot to some of the things that we we talked about in this episode. Uh, One is called Seller Be Sold, How to Get Your Way in Business and Life. That's by Grant Cardone. That's a really good one about just how in all different areas of your life you are either selling somebody else or selling a scenario or you're being sold by somebody else because you couldn't close that deal. And so that is a phenomenal book that I just finished that really helps in areas outside of not only the business environment, but also in personal things that you do because you're always selling something on a daily basis and you're always selling yourself as an individual. And the other one that I finished was called The Innovator's Method by Nathan Furr and Jeff Dyer. And that was a really good book that touches on a lot of the concepts we talked about today around getting things to market very quickly and efficiently. And they go and they basically do these case studies of all these companies that are very successful companies now that I'm sure all our listeners have heard of. And they talk about how these people innovate internally, how they've gotten their products to market very quickly, how they think about innovation, how massive companies think about innovation, and then how early stage companies have started and then innovated over time as they've grown and developed the business. So uh, those are two really good ones. I just finished uh, pretty much both of those about in the last week. Um, and I'm trying to, to push ahead. I, I listen to Audible when I do my stuff. I try to read at least a book a week, if not more than that. So last week I got a little bit more in. But uh, those are two really, really good ones I recommend. Thanks, dude. You were on top of your game this week. I was not. Kelly, I'm trying. I should probably get to a point coming up here where I can start listening on Audible to like 1.5 to 2x. But then it's like, I, I, <laughs> I, I like it when they got like a little bit of pauses between what they're saying. And audiobooks too, to me, make a big difference when you have a really good person that's reading it like sometimes you'll get a book that's maybe a really good book but the person doing the audio on it is maybe not the author of the book they don't have the same level of passion so you can kind of tell they're just kind of reading but I like listening to Grant Cardone's books because he's always the person that does the audible for it and he's just got such a great personality and he keeps you very interested and captivated and he's throwing in side stories that aren't in the book and he's just a really interesting guy in my opinion to listen to and so he really keeps you entertained as you're listening to it. So it helps with, uh, you know, absorbing it. And then it makes you want to listen to more of the stuff. I've been following Grant Cardone for a while. And I never really took to him except till like recently, like because you've been reading his books and you'll share with me like what he's saying. And I kind of like the things that he's saying. And I agree with a lot of them. So I've been following him again and kind of paying attention to his stories and whatnot. I definitely like him. He's a very captivating individual. Great personality, too, like speaking on tv on stage he's got it but you know who i can't listen to who's that gary v there yeah I, I just can't do it he just like he's slamming on the table <laughs> and like I, I drop curse words sometimes i don't want to but he's like curse word after curse word and he's just like 
so in your face. I mean, I thought I was hyper and like, you know, abrasive at times when I speak. He blows everyone that I know out of the water. I mean, that that dude has energy. He's got some serious energy. Yeah. He's got his his uh, his niche for sure. And, and on Snapchat, the look that he gives his phone when he's like talking to you, <laughs> he like crinkles his eyebrows and his eyes get really big and he stares and he's like, don't quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like so out there. But um, respect. No. He's, he's built an empire he's, for he's himself. So respect. Huge, yeah. What he's done for himself and how he's done it. Uh, very few have done that. And that's super inspiring. Just yeah. I don't like to listen to it, though. It just <laughs> is what it is. Guys, that's all we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, if you have any comments, any questions, if you have any constructive criticisms about the episode or you want us to talk about something else, please feel free to DM us. Brian's Instagram handle is BrianDixon06. Mine is Nina Pal Dixon. We're always on our Instagrams. Email us. Well, I'm on his Instagram. Email us, um, text us, whatever you guys want to do. And please, 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 if you got any value out of this episode at all, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes podcast. We truly, truly appreciate it until next time. All right. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. I tried.